To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, I got a brand new Eastman's Elevated podcast for you. So this is from my trip over to the Eastman's office I took last week, and I sit down with Dan Picard. Um, Dan's just a great guy, and and we seem to always be talking bow hunting as, as he's kind of gravitated towards these archery-only hunts the same as I have. And so we're really like-minded, and so the, the conversation just seems to flow naturally. Um, we talk about his season and, and different hunts and stocks he's had. And, and then we kind of chime in, in in Eastman's elevated fashion with tips and tactics that apply to these different hunts and encounters that he's had. Um, we also break down a shot that he had this season that he was less than happy with. Um, and, and this is just part of bow hunting. Um, I also, you know, came up in conversation, a shot that I had a few years ago where I made a mistake and tried to squeeze it in too tight of a window. And, and I think these, these really honest, authentic conversations about bow hunting, good or bad, are good to put out there. You know, we, we learn from it and want to get better from it. And I, I hope you guys can, uh, appreciate the authenticity of it and, and also learn from it you know, to apply on your, your own adventure hunts. And so, um, it's, it's just part of hunting and I'm glad we had the conversation. Glad we could put it out there for you guys, but just a a great episode, uh, with a, with a bunch of great content in it. So you guys are going to enjoy today's show. Uh, the sponsor for today's show is, uh, Everly Stock Packs. Um, Everly Stock is a great company. Uh, I've been using that mainframe and then I just picked up a couple new packs that I'm really excited to use. So I've had them on, I've tried them on with weight and walked around here. So I picked up the, the little big top, which is one of their lighter packs. It can actually go on their mainframe or be a standalone pack itself. Um, it sits in right around five pounds, um, 3000 cubic inches. I think it's going to be a great pack for me. I think I'm going to use it. It compresses really good. I'm going to use it for day pack. Um, and then I'm also going to use it for like up to five, six days, um, in the back country. And I think it's going to do great. It seems to fit me well and, and, uh, it seems to, everything cinches tight and packs the weight really well. And so I'm really excited to use that. I also picked up one of their destroyers. Um, it's a heavier duty pack, but it's made to pack those heavy loads. It's made to pack tons of of cubic inches so you can take it on these longer extended hunts that go seven to 10 days. Uh, and I'm really excited to try this pack out as well. And so I'll be bringing both of these down to Arizona with me and then getting ready to use them next season. But Everly Stock, they're building great products, uh, and, and great packs, uh, really happy with them. And thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over there at the Eastman's office, uh, just getting back from over there. Um, what a great trip. They, uh, had me over for the Christmas party and it, it's just such a great team of people over there with, with great individuals and everybody's putting forth so much effort to make this company and this magazine, the TV show, the podcast to make everything grow and be as good as it can be. And it, it's always evolving. I'm, I'm so impressed by the, the TV shows. I had that Wyoming hunt of mine from a year ago come out and, uh, 
gosh, the way they put that together was really neat. They used a lot of the time lapses and, and a lot of the a lot of the cool videography that, that we put together for that. And I think it showed off the the extremeness of the terrain really well. And so it, it and along with that, the magazine, um, Todd Helms is doing a great job as the editor of, of Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal and Eastman's Hunting Journal. And, and he's really easy to talk to. We built this relationship where I can just call and we can start talking over some article ideas. And all of a sudden I've got a new article to write for the next issue. I think I, I pitched him an article idea and told him I could have it done I it was right at the deadline and he liked the idea and picked it up and I was able to write it in a couple days and get it to him and and make the the magazine and an issue of EBJ this coos deer article that I came up with but he's just really good to work with and everybody there is um from top to bottom it's just a great company and I I couldn't be happier just just being a part of the team and uh just want to do my part to work really hard to to put out great content on this podcast and and great writing when I'm putting in articles in the magazine and and then the the film work I'm always trying to improve at and and get better and um I got word that I believe my um, Idaho deer hunt from this season is going to come out in January. So really excited to see what they can put together. That was just a really fun hunt with my buddy. Um, my buddy Dan Heverin filmed it for me. And so it was like teaming up with one of my buddies. And uh, Dan went so hard with me to to try to get into deer and then to try to harvest one. But I, I think we told a really good story and I think we got some great shots in there. So I can't I can't wait to see what they put together for that. Um, we also, we recorded a podcast with Dan and Guy on Tajikistan. Um, what an amazing podcast, uh, that hunt they went on was something else. And so I'll be releasing that in the near future too. be on the lookout for that. And then that hunt's going to be on beyond the grid, I believe around January 15th, mid January, somewhere there that's going to come out. And I cannot wait to see that they, they've got uh, a bunch of great video capturing that hunt. So that's going to be really neat to see. Um, make sure you guys check out the, the gear guide. If you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift, um, again, I mentioned this, uh, before, but the subscriptions, if you give three subscriptions, you get a free Sitka hoodie and outdoor edge knife kit. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that before Christmas is over. That's a great deal. Um, and then make sure to check out that MRS, that MRS for the hunts coming up. It's so valuable to me when I'm planning these hunts. Um, and they have the new MRS booklet that, that has compiled all the states from last season that they put in a book. There's a few hard copies left, and then you can also get a digital copy off the website. Uh, just great information there. And then all the new magazines will have all updated information on, on states and seasons and deadlines and everything you need to know. Uh, you get that with a subscription to Eastman's, that MRS section, Members Research Supplement uh, it's just a, a a great thing that we put out there that really helps with with hunting these states that you don't live in that you can be thousands of miles away from and and get in some quality scouting. So make sure to check out that. Uh, I've been talking for long enough. Let's get this thing rolling. Uh, me and Dan Picar, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm over here at the Eastman's office, uh, sitting down with my buddy, Dan Bacar. Um, Dan, thanks for being on. Absolutely. It's always good to chat with you, Brian. Yeah, we just got done. We talked about Tajikistan. Um, God, it just blows my mind hearing about that place, that trip you guys had over there for that yeah. Marco Polo sheep. 
yeah, definitely extreme, rugged, everything under the sun that you can imagine is thrown at you, is thrown at you. And it's, man, it's a, a very rewarding experience just to get through it all and, and to, you know, put that one under your belt as far as experience goes. And it's a good perspective check on, you know, hunts that a guy can do and be way more difficult than anything we experience here in the lower 48. Yeah. So, and I think ultimately, Brian, that that's going to help me become a better hunter here Mm -hmm. because the level of difficulty over there is so much greater than anything I've experienced here. So it helps. It's cross training. It and is. it makes it makes things here seem a lot easier, I can tell you that. Yeah, it is cross-training. So. Well, it's just amazing to hear because you guys are halfway around the world. It's so bitter cold where it's dangerous, hypothermic, uh, yep. you know, most days that you're out there. And, and then the the brutal nature uh, of the country out there and the elevation, you being sick and having to push through that. Uh, yep. And you can't go to a hospital there no. or you can't mm-hmm. be flown out. There no There is no extraction plan. So, yeah, I bet. I mean, just hearing about it puts puts it into perspective for me too that uh you know some of my tough hunts right. you know yeah right. i i think i'll i'll grow from it and i didn't even go on the hunt but yeah. just hearing yeah. about how difficult it was but right. what an amazing adventure you guys had out there but yeah definitely um some difficulties and uh, trials and tribulations into getting it done on a sheep out there that is wild right right definitely glad i went yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But you had a great season. Um, you ended your season with that hunt, but uh, yep. you were all over with your bow and arrow this year. You did really well, like always. You're always successful with your bow. But um, yeah, I saw some deer come across my feed and uh, another yep. bull, and you're just a consistent producer with your bow. It's really impressive. Yeah, we man, we hunted a lot this year. We hunted hard, and I drew a couple tags: Wyoming antelope and Wyoming elk, and the rest were generals. But you know, we're at it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, mid-August all the way through you know, the first week of October, we're bow hunting Mm -hmm. constant, you know, I probably had three or four days off, but, um, yeah, constant hunting, constant watching animals, constant getting no, getting to know areas. Mm -hmm. And so you do something enough, you kind of get good at it, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the, the hope that you have. Well, that's like a, <laughs> a, a dream season or so it sounds when you get that many days to hunt, but it also gets yeah. to be a grind as well with, with that many days and pushing that hard on that many hunts and not many breaks. And I always know my back-to-back hunts are really difficult when you go from one extreme hunt into the next extreme hunt and you don't get a break or don't get to recover. It, it's tough Absolutely. to keep that mental edge the whole time. It's tough to keep focused and keep pushing hard towards successes. And I, like you, I got a bunch of time to hunt this season and it was a really fun season, but, um, you, you, you always have to work for them. You always have to earn them. Absolutely. And that's the big thing. A lot of guys are like, Oh, you know, you're so lucky you get a hunt all, you know, all fall and do all this. And, you know, that's true. Definitely blessed to be able to do it, but it's, it's changed my perspective on it too, on hunting. And it's just not for pure joy anymore. Like, you know, what I do on vacation or what I do in my free time, it's my job, number one, and you're expected to produce. And so there's a different level of pressure there. And then you have to do it for two and a half months. You know, it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And that's how you have to kind of treat it on every hunt as well. That, you know, you you can't kill yourself on day one if you're going to make it the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, in so. hunts, 
they're they're enjoyable and it's what we live for. I know it's both yep. mine and yours passion. We work year round to prepare for these, to plan for them, and then to go on them. But when you're on an extreme tough hunt, it's not fun all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a grind. You know, you're having to put on multiple miles. You're having to yep. sleep in the dirt night after night. You're having to deal with, with elevation. And, you know, all the stuff that goes into making a good hunt is making it tough and challenging and difficult. Absolutely. So when you're doing that straight one hunt after the next, yeah, I can see where it's it's a grind. And it's yep. tough to, to keep mentally sharp. But you had a great yep. season. Yeah. So you started on your Wyoming antelope yeah, did you fill out on antelope this year yep yep wyoming antelope not a tough tag to draw it's like a 50 50 as a resident and you know there's a lot of antelope here you look over a lot of antelope a lot of public land a lot of small antelope i think i spent four days looking for a big antelope and never saw one mm -hmm. and that's includes some scouting uh, pre-season as well but on day three headed to a new area and came across a buck that was pretty territorial and pretty aggressive. He had 30 does and I slipped right up hundred yards from him, And I started calling at him, just kind of doing like a fawn in distress. I don't know if you've seen some of, uh, I think it was Mike and, Oh, who was it? That guy from elk Inc. Mm -hmm. Ed, I haven't Ed seen Perotti, it might be, but they're calling it an antelope and it's just like a, like a, just a buzz with their lips. And so I just squeaked at them a couple times, like kind of quietly. And it's kind of like their alarm call, but enough to keep their curiosity up because they weren't really spooked. And an antelope by nature are curious, mm -hmm. right, as you know. And, and it's a limited entry area, so they're not necessarily flighty, blown out of the country like they might be, you know, in a heavily hunted area. And, yeah, the does came right into me. And being at pre-rut, the buck came right with them and – killed him made a perfect shot and he ran right to the road and died actually on the road so that was pretty cool that was a good season kickoff right there i'd say um start your confidence your confidence is high you know great footage great hunt everything went went well you know i don't think i would have done anything different and it was just a great test of perseverance and patience too because i could have shot some mediocre bucks mm -hmm. and i opted not to Okay. And so that's another reason why I'm like, man, that was very rewarding that I was able to hold off and not just shoot the first decent buck. Mm -hmm. And it paid off. I mean, he's, almost, he's 81 inches. Wow. That buck. Congratulations. Big buck, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, definitely a, a great way to kick off the season. Yeah, an 81-incher. Uh, yeah. That's always the quest for an 80-inch antelope. Um, good for you. Yeah, that's the holy grail yep. for antelope. Yep. Um, and with 30 does, what a high degree of difficulty. I would have chased that thing across the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a funny thing, too, probably as you know with antelope, is it's not necessarily finding – it's a little bit different because some of them will, are really spooky and flighty, and you, you can't stalk them. Or maybe they're in a bad spot, you're just not going to stalk them. And so you just got to keep looking and find antelope that are conducive to hunting. And these were a little more curious. Caught them on the right day. Their their mood was right. The buck was feeling territorial. You know, he's, he was rubbing the sagebrush with his neck and acting ruddy and herding does around. And you just get that vibe. You get that feeling that you're like, okay, this guy will play. He, 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 they'll want to play. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you know, curiosity killed him. Good for you. Well, that's not so. easy to do. I always, with a bow and arrow, and I haven't had any real sought-after antelope tags. I just hunt them on a general tag every right. year. But um, w with my bow, 
I've just found that even when I find an 80-incher, like, they're really tough to kill. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hunting them kind of in checkerboard country or, you know, chunks of public land where you can get after them a little bit. But there's no guarantee you can find them the next day where you can hunt them. Right. So when right. I find an 80-incher, um, you know, I make a play on them, but there's just no guarantee I can kill that thing. So a lot of times my tactics for antelope is like, um, all right, when I see a, a decent, good, respectable oh, yeah. antelope, I'm going to go for the stock and try to kill them because I know I'm going to need more than one opportunity Absolutely. you know some years i need 20 stocks before i kill one and some yep. i only need one, one. or two you know it's right. amazing how it goes down so i kind of go at antelope different i haven't really focused on a giant one yet and that's probably why i haven't killed a giant one yet but i i've got a lot like 72 to 75 and i get my antelope every yep. year they eat really good yeah. oh, i yeah. have the excitement of chasing them and i i love chasing but to kill an 81 incher that's pretty cool and to get them on film too yeah and i mean wyoming is completely different and if I was bow hunting Montana, I'd be this exact same mentality that you're doing. But, you know, this is a draw tag, and there's a lot of antelope compared to Montana and a lot of public land. So this tag, you could be a little more picky like that. But in Montana, you know, on the 900 series, mm-hmm. you can hunt a lot of areas and a lot of areas where the antelope are. It's by ag fields, private, and so you have to deal with the checkerboard stuff. And you better shoot the first mediocre decent buck you come across if you can Mm -hmm. or at least get a stock onto it Mm -hmm. so nothing wrong with that well wyoming special for antelope oh it is absolutely absolutely special place yeah definitely and it's fun to look over a lot of animals like that it is i mean 150 bucks in three days you see you know a lot of young ones but just high numbers it's fun it's fun to be choosy too yeah it can when you and so you know you're your goals have to match your opportunity. And yes. so when you know that you're seeing 80 inches and you're going to get plays on them, all of a sudden you can set your sights a little bit higher because you know that if I just stay out here for a couple more days, I'm going to find one of these big ones. I'm going to get a play on them. Yep. If I don't get that one, I know I've got more days to hunt. I'm going to find another good one above 75 inches. Or What do you consider big for an antelope? It's good that you brought this up because I was kind of thinking about this. The times I've killed the biggest animals is when I set my bar lower then because i'm not you know i'd have to kill an 80 inch or never like that i, I wanted to kill a nice pope and young antelope mm-hmm. and what's pope and young 67 yep so i wanted to kill a, like 70 incher yep i'll be happy with 70 incher no problem and i didn't know exactly how big this buck was because i was so focused on killing him and it, his hooks go straight back so frontal my best angles were frontal i knew he was good but i know he's this good so there's no ground shrinkage on this buck, and to my surprise, yeah, 81. But yeah, 70 inch antelope. I kill a respective, you know, respectable Pope and Young antelope. I've killed a lot of 75s with my rifle growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 70 to 75. Heck yeah. Yep. Pope that's, and Young, let's shoot it. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So. 70s a really good, respectable one that starts to get me pretty excited, and then yep. 75 to me is getting big. Yep. You know, 80s yep. a giant. 80s a giant, and that's something in this unit that you don't expect. And I was like, it's, it wasn't even in my mind to kill an 80-incher. Mm-hmm. And that big mule deer I killed a few years ago mm-hmm. it, it, over in western Wyoming, I yes. was like, I, I just want to kill like a solid 160 to 170 buck. That's my goal on this hunt. And then that happened. It's funny. That's seriously what I've, where I've killed my biggest stuff is when I have those realistic goals mm-hmm. when you're hunting with a bow and arrow, keeping it realistic for the area. And then sometimes you get thrown a bone. 
Well, you know, just because your goal is 160, it doesn't mean when you see that 210-inch mule deer, you're not going to give them a try and try to kill exactly. them with, with every fiber of your being. Exactly. You know? It doesn't change that. But, yeah, that's really cool. Well, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's the way to start season for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, really nice antelope down. And then uh, what hunt did you do next? Yeah, we went right into western Wyoming. I think we were done with the antelope by the 27th of August. So by the 29th, you know, I'm at 9,500 feet in the high country looking at mule deer. And I didn't know what to expect this year. I didn't get any chance to preseason scout, but I've, I've hunted this area before. And there was a good number of bucks. There really was. There was a lot of young deer. I think in the basin that I was hunting, there was 17 bucks. A lot of, like, really small four points, younger deer. Um, didn't see anything super giant this year. Probably 180 was tops is what, what I saw. You think the winter had something to do with yeah. it? Or do you think just... Uh, Probably. And okay. I know a lot of areas in G&H, it, it, they didn't fare as well this year. And I don't know if the deer that I, that I was hunting, if they wintered in a different area where the winter wasn't so bad. I don't know if they went down into Utah. I don't, I don't know where they go mm -hmm. um, to winter where I was hunting. But, yeah, it, with the, the harsh winter maybe and conditions i don't know the 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 growth was great up there this year as we've talked in the past giant snowbanks up there with lots of green where i ended up killing my buck it was like june up there like the grass was just pollinating wow and like i had hay fever up there allergies i mean it's september for crying out loud and i'm sneezing up there it was that green and that's why those deer were up there because it you know everything burned off it was a hot summer but big snow years like that yeah um they'll they'll uh, the grass stays greener longer up yep. there it seems like up high yeah. so yeah really good feed and the bucks it made it tough I, and i got lucky once again it was the second day of the hunt september 2nd and i think there were like 11 bucks in one herd that bedded in this little timber patch and man we played it good and it was one of those things where i just wanted to get in position and, and there was nothing clear cut about the stock or the hunt i just wanted to get in position get within 150 and let the day roll on while i had the the wind good it was coming up the hill the good thermals and i just let evening come and they started getting up and started wandering around and me and my camera guy kind of slipped up in the shadows got within about 80 yards of them there's some sparse timber and sure enough, the second biggest buck in the whole group fed by me. And, yeah, it was just one of those things meant to be. He just walked over uh, to us on a beeline. But the funny thing is, those old bucks, and he was he's an old deer too. His teeth were all worn down. There was a little cut up there. We're on top of a mountain. He walks right down this little cut. So he's 30 yards to me, and I still don't have a shot. All I can see is his head because he's just in that little tiny cut. And he got downwind. There's nothing I could do. He got downwind, smelled me, and blew out and ran back to a two-point that was following him. And as you know, I shoot that one, that single-pin slider, and it was set at 30 yards. And so I don't, I still don't know how far he was, probably 55, and did the old meh as he was running out. And sure enough, he stopped at the old quarter and away, looking back over his shoulder. And I was like, yeah, about four inches over his back, and sent it and right through the heart. <laughs> sometimes it works out got, right yeah gotta take it when you can get yeah, it like kentucky, that kentucky little, windage little kentucky windage <laughs> thanks to hawaii because I, I do that all the time over there on goats or you know even axis deer yep and so that's another good reason to really know your bow and that's a, a downside i guess of 
a single pin mm-hmm. is you got to use Kentucky windage, but that's probably only like 10% of my shots on animals is having to actually do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, um, and that's, uh, you know, you get good at it, learning your equipment and knowing how it yes. shoots, like you say in Hawaii, practicing it, but scenarios don't always happen how you want. No. And sometimes yeah. you get this opportunity or this chance, like that buck spook and running away, you had one chance. You couldn't yep. get a range, set your pin no. and shoot them. It went to happen. And so you've got this one chance to draw back and go, okay, I think I know where to hold. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to make this happen. This is my one opportunity. Yep. And so you take it and then you made it happen, which, you know, you can also, you, I've also missed under those circumstances oh, yeah. too. And then I oh, go, yeah. gosh, dang it. I knew better. I needed a range to shoot. You know? but, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and one, yeah. those single pin sliders are, are not nice you know to get that exact yardage hold that pin right on the animal but that's kind of why i like those multi-pin sliders you know because you've got 10 yards up or down is kind of a reference point but like in your scenario you didn't have a range on them it's not like your pin was set for 30 but you didn't know he was 50 you didn't know so even in that scenario it's still just a guess yeah the multi-pin site you know you could try to judge the yardage and hold over but but really it's still a guess it is educated guess right Right, yeah, right. good and, for you. Yeah. And so hit him right in the heart. Perfect. Yep. Dropped in there. Yep. Didn't run far. 50 yards piled up. Oh, it's got to be cool footage, yep. too. It, it turned out really good, too. That was another. I mean, my camera guy, Tim, I was like, dude, we are crushing it so far. Let's keep it up. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it up. And so uh, finished that hunt off and pretty good long pack out of there. And definitely one of those rewarding hunts. And thinking back on it, too, just that split little second, just such a small, you know, chance of a shot that that was as he's spooking out that can go from a successful hunt punch the tag everybody's happy or like the year before snuck into six yards to a big buck he stood up on one side of the tree and i was up i was on the other side of the tree and he blew out one little thing if i was on the other side of the tree we would have been done everything's hunky-dory punch the tag good episode good footage one little thing can go from being successful or eating your tag Oh, it's so, so that's crazy to think about too, because that could have easily been gone a million different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those you take it how you can get it, yeah, and move on. And it is you create your own luck. Opportunity yep. meets prep meets preparation, or uh, meets what is it? Opportunity preparation meets opportunity. Yep. yep. Um, but but there too, it, sometimes it's just a little bit of luck that goes. Oh your yeah, way. <laughs> guaranteed. Every hunt, every hunt. There's a in the pie graph. There's going to be a little wedge that's luck, right? Yep. In every bow hunt. Yep. There's going to be some sort of luck. Yeah. Part of it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Now it's, um, uh, you played it right, found the bucks, made the yep. stock on it, but you're right. Just that little yep. bit of luck. I know on yep. all my hunts too, or, uh, uh, you know, they, the buck comes the right way, comes into you. What a smart play too, playing that scenario patiently. Yes. So those things were in that timber, but there was a bunch of bucks and there wasn't, it, it wasn't a good scenario for you to try to stalk no. in on them on their beds, you and your cameraman. And so instead, um, you, you got in striking distance. You yes. got as close as you could get, sat there with a the good wind, and then you just waited patiently. Yep. Yep. And you let the bucks kind of make the last mistake. Like the, may, yeah, let them make the move. And then as the day, I knew as the day got longer, the shadows were going to get nice and harsh, is which, what we needed. Because in the morning where we were at, we were just getting blasted by the sun in our face afternoon shadows are longer i knew we could slip up this nice shaded timber line this tree line up to them yeah and let them you know make the mistake not force anything be patient and you know it it paid off to 
hunt smarter, not harder necessarily. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, and that's tough to do when you, when yeah. you bet a buck like that to play it patient and wait there all day long in the sunshine yep. to try to get your opportunity. And some days they end up going the other way and you yep. go, gosh, I should have made a play or at least tried something. I just sat here in the sun all day, but then sometimes it works right. out. I, uh, patience is the key to, to killing animals, isn't it? And Absolutely. And back to where they could have gone the other way. And that's where it really helped me too. I mean, part of that luck deal is they were bedded up next to a cliff. Well, like the top of the mountain so they could only come out the one way i had them trapped well they could have gone another way but like i said you get lucky cutting some variables and they ended up coming down to us instead of away from us but they didn't really have a lot of options mm-hmm. so that helped me too okay so you had a, a pretty good feeling it was going to come yes. together if you could be patient and you and do the wind stayed yeah because the wind was iffy a little bit on the direction it was blowing but it was staying pretty stable Yep, and if you can read the country that way, a lot of times you see a buck put away, and then it's like, okay, where do you think this buck's going to come out tonight? And you're trying to play that game. But, yeah, when you're able to eliminate some of those variables yes. with a cliff face behind you, or they go in the only patch of timber, and it's like, there's no feed around. Like, this is the only place to feed in this basin or in this bowl right here. They're going to come back out here. They're not right. going to relocate over there. They're not spooked. So, yeah, I— um, reading the country and reading the scenario that you're you're in and trying to make your your best most intelligent play, um, you know that's the best move you can make. And and right there, it's being patient, waiting yep. for him to come back out. Good good on you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So two for two, you started your season. Yep. And um, it was just coming together for you. You didn't have many failed stocks. Nope. Yeah. I mean, the antelope that happened you know, fairly quick. That was the first best stock. And, you know, the deer, that was the first stock of the hunt. We watched deer for a few days and him hot around which one to go after, but that was the first stock of the trip. And so we come right off that hunt. And I think we took a half a day off and then headed right to Idaho for general elk archery. And we got in this area and it was early September still, I think it was the fifth. So it was really smoky and hot. I think it was bad conditions all the way i was down there at the the same time yeah yeah you were deer hunting yep and yeah smoky and hot we were kind of low it was like 6500 feet so it was even hotter than what i felt like it should have been when you're elk hunting Mm -hmm. you know and they weren't bugling very well not a lot of rut activity It it was very tough but the old bull searching for cows bugle and this bull came in silently and he caught me off guard a little bit but man he came in in a crappy spot and he was kind of downwind i still don't know how he didn't smell me but in my head i told myself i had to shoot him as fast as the opportunity would present it or he's going to smell me smell me and be gone in a second because this nice little rollover he could have been gone in a flash and so he came in frontal and he was kind of angling towards me quartering hard frontal and he got in with 18 yards and and that's when i ended up taking the shot but I told myself that it was a better angle than what it really was. And so I hesitated from shooting him in front of the shoulder to behind the shoulder, but it was still a pretty hard angle. And then I moved in front of the shoulder and then I just punched the trigger and shot him right in the point of the shoulder Oh at, no! at 20 yards, you know, two inches of penetration, horrible, bad shot, bad choice. So in my mind, I kind of had, to, I told myself I had to rush it because he came in downwind and he was going to smell me any second. But hindsight says, let the bull work up farther or 
let them just win me if the shot doesn't present itself and you know just take it as it is because that's elk hunting sometimes they come in you don't always get a shot mm-hmm. and so that was kind of a a downer of the trip because it was the one chance of the trip like so many of our bow hunts you get one opportunity and you know i screwed it up and you know stuff like that you got to look past and as you've written articles we both probably have on picking up the pieces and keep hunting and keep keeping the faith and and stay positive but yeah if, if i could have one arrow back this season i don't say that very often if i could have one that's the one it would be mm-hmm. because ultimately i shot that bull in the shoulder and didn't recover him and i'm sure he's going to be fine because it didn't mm-hmm. penetrate anything but still just a foolish mistake mm-hmm. so um yeah, well, and it's it's big of you to talk about it and admit it, and I think that's where we where we grow in bow hunting too yep. is admitting your mistakes and trying to improve and get better, and we all make right. them, you right. know. And in that scenario, when that bull comes in, you want it to happen so bad, but that still means it still doesn't mean that you can doesn't force it in there, yes, you know. And it, um, you know, he, he was definitely close enough, but it was that tough angle. Yes. Uh, and, and if he would have been more front, like um, e- even on an elk, if he's inside 20 yards and you've Shoot got a front it. shot, there is a shot there that you can aim for. And it's I would have shot him yep, from it's him. A, yep. It's a smaller spot to aim from, and so I really want him close if I'm going to take Gotta that Got to be shot. under 20. Right. Yes. That's how I play it, too, yes. especially with elk. They're so big, yes. and the spot you have to hit is so small, but that shot yep. would have worked. Or if he would have turned sideways a little bit more, and it's it's easy for me to sit here and play couch cowboy, you know, but I've done that, that same thing where I try to force it in there because I want it to happen so bad that I almost take a a bad shot because of it, you know, but um, good on you being able to admit it and learn from it. And like you say, that bull's fine. Uh, That, that arrow just doesn't get into that shoulder. You know, it, um, it's the one shot with a bow and arrow that just doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. (laughs) No, right. No, but that's the big thing thing too that sticks in my mind after this season and I think it's how it should be it was because to me that's a huge mistake Mm -hmm. and I don't want to forget that mistake because I don't want to do it again Mm -hmm. and so going into next season that's going to be in the back of my mind and Dan don't you know wait for a good shot don't Mm -hmm. do something stupid Dan don't Mm -hmm. shoot him at a hard angle like that wait for your shot and so I think as you said, ultimately, that makes us a better hunter. Oh, it does. Yeah. yeah it sticks yeah. in our mind, and we don't want to make that mistake again, and so we're more patient. Yep. And you're a better bow hunter when you're more patient. We talk patient kills the buck, but waiting for a shot. And you've gotten really good at this over the years. You're a great bow hunter and, and harvest multiple animals every year, and very rarely do you make a mistake like that. But um, you, the more patient you can be waiting on that good angle of that animal, yep. waiting on that animal to have his head down or not looking right at you. Yep. I I know for me for bow hunting the more patient i can be with my shot selection the better bow hunter i started become when i yep. when i didn't force those shots as much i'd really wait for a good broadside angle you know that's when my my bow hunting started to reach another level is being patient yep. waiting for that right shot now it doesn't always happen like that sometimes like your deer in wyoming you got to make a decision and shoot right now right. you had a good angle on that deer and yes. a good shot yes. but you know you didn't have a yardage it was a kentucky windage hold over him scenario but so I guess it's a mix to be a good bow hunter, but it's it's definitely waiting for the right shot. Right, and definitely a quartering away, your your percentage is way higher than a quartering two. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. And and that's another. That's thing. a great angle. Yeah. yeah. I love angles in archery. Oh my you're, gosh. You're, I would I would rather shoot a quartering shot mm-hmm. than a a perfect broadside. Mm-hmm. 
every time. Oh, yeah. And even like a slight quartering towards on elk, mm-hmm. I've taken those a lot. You tuck them right behind the shoulder mm-hmm. and you crisscross that diaphragm and bury that arrow into the hip on the far side. Mm-hmm. I've never had an elk go farther than 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Usually see them die within eyesight. Mm-hmm. You poke that diaphragm, they don't make it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'd way rather get a good crisscross quartering toward or quartering away and run that arrow through everything. Yeah, or uphill coming oh, down yeah. through them. Or, yep. Yeah, those angles uh, do a lot for you yep. in archery. Yeah, the only bad scenario or the only bad thing I have happened to me is uh, on the quartering away is mule deer. Do you have those mule deer jump your string? Yes. Yeah, I have like one in three or one in four mule deer jump my string, and I work really hard shooting a heavier arrow, quieting down my bow, and and sometimes they don't even know I'm in the country, and I can be shooting at a big buck. And the moment my bow goes off, they react, and that quartering away, they sent they seem to roll or spin away from you, and that arrow will miss clean right there, and, yep. and it probably miss on a broadside shot too. But sometimes I feel like that quartering away, they roll away from that arrow when they jump that string and you miss them clean. Yep. Um, but that's the only bad thing with quartering right. away is great that's the shot you want right yeah right absolutely but yeah those mule deer would jump your string won't they oh yeah, yeah. would you say one out of three yeah one that's out probably, of three yeah. one yeah. out of four maybe yeah. but yeah and this buck did the one i shot he definitely jumped the string heck i might even shot under his brisket if he didn't jump the string <laughs> because i was you know probably four inches above his brisket five inches maybe i mean it was a perfect hit but yep. if he wouldn't have ducked down into it it, I might have been flirting with missing him, shooting mm-hmm. under him. Yep. And that happens all the time with axis deer. Oh, those things. They're jump easy to a string miss. Too. They're easy to miss. Yes, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, elk don't seem to jump your string too much. Elk seem to wait on the arrow. Yep. Unless you catch them just right as they're starting to move and you shoot. But that's almost like a timing deal. I've only had one ever jump. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't remember them jumping. They wait for the arrow. Like, the only bad scenario I've had is when they start to take a step or they're starting to move right as I release. Yep. Um, and that can be a big mistake that I've made, too. Um, when, I, when I'm drawn back on an elk and I'm starting to settle my pin and he starts to walk off and I punch my release off because he's starting to go, that was a hard lesson I learned when I was younger that, yep. you know, you like, that's not the shot, you right, know. But right. it's like this 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 mental deal inside your mind like your opportunity is slipping away from you right there and you want to make it happen and you make that arrow go and that never ends good <laughs> right yeah, it's horrible you force it it's another forcing it's, situation like what i did doesn't exactly. usually end up good yeah it doesn't no you're, yeah. you're just better to wait and get that good angle that good yep. shot and make it happen but yeah the yep. mule deer will yep. jump your string the white tails the the uh, axis. Um, Heck, antelope will too. Uh, antelope will too. Yeah, antelope they will make jump. you look like a fool. Yeah, yep. they can be yep. two, three steps uh, away from there by the time the oh, arrow gets yeah. there. Sometimes out of the country, yeah. and your arrow is just pink, bouncing off a rock, and there's no animal there. Mm-hmm. And then they just make <laughs> they uh, they make you look like a fool too because you'll you'll miss one and you'll think you executed a perfect shot and it jumped your string and got out of the way of your arrow. And then the next one will sit there and wait for it and you'll miss them clean, you know, yep. on your yes. Not because he jumped your string, because you just missed the shot, you right. know, and you think, right. God, that one waited for the arrow and I missed him. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's the, that another level of luck with going back to axis deer because I hunt them so much now, but it's almost like you have to aim underneath them. So if, if they don't jump, you're going to miss, but 95% of the time they're going to jump. Mm-hmm. Oh, you think you, they jump you that often, huh? Oh my gosh. I had a countless bucks that jumped a string mm-hmm. on me this year. 
do you find any distances or worse or better than others? Like I read this thing about Chuck Adams once that said he was hunting coos deer, which are really jumpy. And he was saying that he was getting inside 30, 40 yards and they were jumping his string. And he finally started shooting longer distances, 50, yep. 60 yards, yep. and they wouldn't jump his string as much. Have you found yep. that at all with yeah, Axis deer? I agree. Yeah. Especially like, well, I've had him jump at 60. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 70A, I don't really shoot much over 70. No, me neither. Um, but yeah, I've, I shot a doe at 79 yards and she didn't jump anything. Um, but I think you're pretty safe out to, you know, 50. 50 to 60 seems like to be a, a pretty safe bet. Or if there's any wind. I don't know if I was just hunting a lot of calm days this year or what, but if there's some good wind, they don't jump. I haven't had issues with them jumping, but. Oh yeah, you saw that beyond the grid where I shot that axis, that spike. Mm-hmm. It was 32 yards, and how much he still jumped. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so fast at 30 yards. It's like, heck, I was aiming below him. If he wouldn't have jumped, I would have sh- freaking shot five inches below his brisket. Mm-hmm. But they're just so quick, and that's at 30 yards. So 50 to 60, I like. Yeah. Well, they evolved yeah. from avoiding Bengal tigers in yeah. India. They got to be quick. Those things yeah. are the ultimate predator. But yeah, that. Now so, that you say that, yeah. my axis buck this year was 53 yards. Yep. yep. And I I shot at another one that um, I missed. Yeah. Um, I I had a really tough crosswind and it got into 50 yards and then we sat out there in that Hawaiian sun for three and a half hours waiting for him to stand and just didn't have a shot in his bed and he stood up and then he got his shoulder and his neck was behind the tree but his vitals and everything were totally exposed so opposite of what we normally get yeah Yeah. and so I thought well I'm gonna put it right in there but the wind was right to left and and either I tucked it too close to the tree or I didn't hold enough for the wind and I ended up uh skipping it off that side of that tree right where he was at and it was you know game of inches and it was just on the wrong side of it and hit that tree and he reacted to the shot and missed him clean but uh he was a really nice axis buck i think close to 30 inches or right in there he he would have been a really good one but those things are fun man i'm i'm headed back to go chase those things or at least i'm i'm hitting up my hawaiian buddies to see if uh they've got a place for me to stay this summer but yeah yeah. i gotta go back and chase those things again yeah and i was able to hunt a bunch of does out there and then mix and match goats and i just had a great experience out there i can see why you love hunting those things so much i'm hooked on them too yep yeah it's weird you can see them hard horned and velvet during the rut but their their rut lasts so long like i'm just going to to the heart of it in june and that's when the majority of them rut but i had a giant buck come in that was growing these velvet horns that i just couldn't shoot because he was going to be so big but he wasn't all the way still developed yeah he wasn't he wasn't even full grown yet but i mean his igar was huge you know just a great big one um but it's weird how they can be in different stages of the rut and velvet that they pretty much breed year round -round. out there yeah yeah but i I don't know there's some different theories but i think it's when they're born because they can be born anytime but most are born in february Mm -hmm. and so the rut most of the rut is in june when most of the bucks are going but yeah i mean you just never know what you're going to see out there from half grown velvet to hard horned and everything in between mm-hmm. yeah those so, things are fun yeah. i like those you're going to go yeah. back this year huh you go back yeah. every year yeah i'll go back at some point or another i don't know i don't have a plan yet but i'll mm-hmm. be going back for sure yep yep no and those um 
These bucks have such a cool rack configuration too. They're like a cross between a deer and an elk. It seems like to yeah. me, oh, like yeah. a smaller body, but like almost a an elk rack on top of their heads. Yep, yep. I have so much respect for those animals. They're super smart, fast, very wary. Just a really good challenge for a bow hunter. They and are, and that's what I like because they humble you all the time, mm-hmm. and that that. That's what you need. That's what I need. Mm-hmm. That's why I like having all of us, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They are wily, aren't they? Yep. Good eyesight, good instincts. Yes. Um, quick, like you say, um, just an elusive deer. But but a lot of them, a lot of the, you know, my funnest bow hunts are when you when you're, you know, and I I like. I like uh, going out and having a challenge and having to find that animal. In Idaho, the buck I killed this year was the first buck I saw in five days. You Man. Know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, but those hunts where you have a lot of opportunity and you're able to get a lot of stocks, those are the really fun ones for yep. me. Yep. That's when you grow. That's when you get your repetitions in. And it's fun to have that. It's like, it's not like shooting prairie dogs, but you get the idea. You just get, it's the opportunity. It's, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So. I I've only hunted a, a handful of days for axis deer, but um, yeah, it was nice. I could hunt them all day long. Well, I was I was hunting one of the best places too, but it's multiple stocks and multiple oh, yeah. plays, and so yeah, it was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then and then Robin came out. He shot a heck of a bull there in in uh, Montana with me this year. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. That's, That's right. A big heavy six. Yeah, it was a good one. I was stoked. He was sending me photos, and I was like, dude. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. He worked for it, too. I, I walked him all over. Yeah, we <laughs> wilderness camped, and, um, yeah, we, we hunted for him really hard. But, yeah, I was psyched to see him Full get his experience. first bowl. Yeah, he'd, he'd been good. over hunting him three or four years over, and, and yet to harvest one is, is, you know, elk on public lands are one of the toughest yeah. species you can take on. And um, yeah. so he, he had uh, paid his dues, and then he came yep. out here with enough days and the right mindset, and we went really hard, and so, yeah, able to make it happen, and it was just one of those experiences, too, where um, we were just into the rut party. We were really into the elk, and got in there in the morning, and it's just starting to break day, and I, we can see a bull and a cow in there, and he's just screaming in the timber, just going nuts, and so he said, God, we just got to creep up a little bit more, and so we just crept to the edge of the timber, and here comes this cow leading this bull, and she came all the way around and circled, and came by us at 40 yards and then here comes the bull right in tow right behind her and and then the bull stops with a tree in his vitals and uh robin was at full draw and this bull stops with this tree in his vitals and he's at full draw and i just keep whispering in his ear hold your draw you're gonna kill this bull hold your draw hold your draw you know and he's holding for a minute you know and the bull's staring a hole right through us and then just rips a bugle right in our face turns and takes off after the cow and walks out at 40 yards and he was able to put a good arrow in it but it was pretty intense heck yeah yeah that's awesome it couldn't happen to a better guy it's, right it sounds like he earned it that's yeah. cool all those guys in hawaii are good yeah. guys aren't they yeah they just do anything for their friends yeah. and and anything for their buddies and um i mean they they really would give you the shirt off their back yeah, and it's contagious you hang out with those guys and you know like this is what friendship should be you right. know right um that's one of the reasons i just love going back is seeing my buddies over there because they're like like you said as good as people as you're ever going to meet and to be able to hunt with guys like that doesn't get any better. 
Yeah, well, and that's what made a lot of my season this year was yeah. hunting with family and friends. I had yep. a lot of time to hunt this yep. year, and it was really enjoyable. Good. So I got yeah. to to hunt and share these experiences with friends and family. And yeah, that is what it's all about, yep. you know. And I I like the solo hunts too. And I you know I I like going on these adventure hunts. But yeah, when you can share it with a buddy like that, that is really enjoyable. And yep. my dad was able to kill his biggest buck to date. I this saw year. that. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, it was a really good deer. I was really happy for nice. him. Yeah, nice. Able to put that together. And so yeah. Yeah, no, it's just a great season. So you, yeah. you filled out where we we got <laughs> off on axis deer. We can get sidetracked <laughs> early or uh, sidetracked easy when we're talking about bow hunting. But yeah. so you harvested that Wyoming deer. You went for the Idaho elk. Yep. Hit that yep. one on the shoulder. You weren't able to recover them. Yep. Um, and that hunt ended. And usually you do really yep. well in Idaho. Usually yeah. you fill out there. It's it's good. And there's no reason why a guy shouldn't have been able to kill one. And my plan was to come back later in the season, get some snow, or at least everything cooled down and I've had some good luck later in the season in Idaho but man I I drew this tag in in Wyoming here and that consumed me for like almost two weeks and we encountered everything under the sun on this hunt the weather the rain the snow the mud and there was a ton of elk but by the time I was hunting them about the 15th not the 13th now this is a, it was an interesting hunt. I've never seen elk act like this in this area. It's the Bighorn Mountains, I'll say, because I'm never going to hunt there again. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> but there's the elk. They were all grouped up by the middle of the month, and every big bull had like five or six satellite bulls with him. So there's a ton of elk, there's a ton of bulls, but a lot of small bulls. So if you want a great opportunity hunt, which there's nothing wrong with, then that would be the hunt for you. But I want to kill a, you know, a big bull, you know, who doesn't want to big kill a mature bull? one? Yeah, it's yep. a coveted tag. And and so, yeah, all the big bulls had a bunch of cows already and a bunch of uh, small bulls with them. And that's just a recipe for frustration. And calling isn't effective because they're constantly calling. The other satellites are constantly bugling, trying to get in there. And so another bull bugling, a challenge bugle or a bull searching for cows, they don't even – wink at you they don't even look at you so cow call you now cows are calling all the time the real cows are calling they're not looking at you and so very tough very tough hunting and it took me longer um than normal to get in there and get a good six by six killed and um it, it was a good challenge mm -hmm. it really was and like i said unlike any other elk hunt i've ever been on mm -hmm. Um, with the elk and activity and there's a lot of hunters in there so they get pushed around and and so yeah difficulty was high mm -hmm. but uh once it, again it, it made it all worth it at the end and it was almost kind of at the end it was a relief to finally get an opportunity on a herd bull and that's what we ended up doing is just kind of shadowing a herd he had a few satellites i think four satellites and it was i think it was the 27th of september coming down to the wire and we followed this herd and we just, we had a good win and we hooked around in front of them and they all just fed right through us. I mean, you could hear the cows breathing. They were that close and he was glunking and bugling and we were in the middle of them for 15 minutes and he chased a cow into an opening at 35 yards and funk, that was it. So all that hunting, trying to get an opportunity at a herd bull and it all ended in 15 minutes pretty simply, really. Mm -hmm. So how cool yeah so that was a really good hunt but that was my elk hunting for the year so it was a tough year for me in in my view of with idaho and then hunting my tail off here in wyoming and so you know got that one 
bull on the ground and that was good and then moved right into montana for mule deer and that was really good too it was a two-day hunt kind of went back to uh the mule deer hunt in wyoming and everything just fell into place i was hunting a bigger buck and i blew him out on the first day he was already with 30 does rutting does if you can imagine that on october 1st wow and we almost killed him i was really proud of how me and my camera guy snuck in there in the same thing patience and getting in there he had 30 does and they're all spread out and we ended up blowing him out um on the first day but found a great buck on the second day and that one, it, it was handed to me. He was bedded in a great spot below a cliff. It's kind of a lot of breaks in this country. And we crept up above the coulee above him, and he was 50 yards below me. And actually 58 yards. And it was the first animal I ever shot laying down. Mm-hmm. And I was a little nervous about it. But once we got up there and around above him, I knew that, everything was perfect like how he was laying how his vitals were exposed i had a a nice oh maybe the size of a pie plate maybe even smaller of his vitals just picturing that arrow slipping it in behind that last rib quartering away and i didn't have any angle compensation and thanks to hawaii i shoot so many angles there he was 58 yards line of sight but i was like i'm gonna hold for 52 or 53 because it was a steep angle and i hit right on the dime that i wanted to and so that was a great way for my confidence for me to end the season because that's what I ended the season on. It felt like I struggled a lot with the elk and ended the season on a, a really high note with making a perfect shot on that buck in his bed. How oh, cool. Yeah, and, and finished the season off like that. And the, the confidence I had to make that shot and everything coming together, how I pictured it in my head and on camera was really cool. So that's going to be another good one, really cool footage. Right on. Yeah, I, you know, it's um, a lot of times you can't shoot them in their bed just because of the angle yeah. you get. And I, I don't like that shot all the time, but every once in a while, it's just right where you know you yep. got the angle. Another thing you got to look out for when you're shooting them in their bed is a lot of times they sleep on their side, and yep. so their spine is pointed up at you and so you're pretty much shooting right at that spine is the middle point of the body and you definitely don't want to hit that spine it could drop them right there but it could not it it could get in there and 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 you don't get them and so yeah you got to be really careful at shooting at them in their beds and a lot of times it's a smaller target than a standing up broadside deer would be yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so you really got to make sure that everything's right when you're going to take that shot but when everything's right there's no better shot and you know it yep right i mean because you can see like if you know anatomy if a a buck sprawled out and all you have is a spine it's probably no shot Mm -hmm. i wouldn't shoot that but when you see it you know it Mm -hmm. exactly and I'll, i'll say i've bow hunted a ton and that's the only opportunity i've ever had at shooting a bedded deer Mm -hmm. mule deer Mm -hmm. and it was just he was in his bed and he had no obstacles behind him and he was kind of up on his brisket and that was it and you you see it you know it shoot it Mm -hmm. so oh good for you have you killed anything uh, any mule deer in their beds like i have yep i've shot i can remember two that i've shot in their beds and um one that I made a mistake on that I shot and tried to tuck it by the spine and hit that spine. And when I yeah. say that it's from experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I had two that I've shot in their beds. One jumped my string 
and tried to get up out of his bed as he heard the arrow going off yep. as I was 45 yards above him on a cliff and he had no idea I was there. Jumped my string. I thought I missed him. And then I glassed down. I could see my arrow was all red on the fletchings. And I thought, what in the heck? Because I saw him get up as my, you know, before my arrow hit him, he was trying to get out of his bed. And then I, I looked back at the buck and he had a hole right down. And it was a little bit lower than I had aimed or that I had wanted it. Yep. But I caught the heart in there and he didn't go oh, too nice. far and died. Um, but yeah, that one jumped my string in his bed and then I shot one off a cliff in his bed, just had a really good angle on him, shot him and he barely got out of his bed before he tumbled down the hill. And then I had one that I messed up on where it was, a, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that far of a shot, but his spine was facing me and I thought I could tuck it right by the spine. But when you're shooting angles and when you're shooting distances and it's a game of inches in the moment. Yep. And I, I had a good shot at his entire body i just had to slip it by the left side of the spine or the right side of the spine and i i can't remember which side i i think i wanted to go on the downhill side of his spine and ended up centering that spine and and he ended up running off and busting the air catching it in a tree and busting it off and he ran off on the other hillside Mm -hmm. there and i glassed him till evening and he actually bedded in a spot and you're never quite sure how hurt they are if they're hurt or if the arrow got in there and so i gave him overnight and then the next morning went and looked for blood and there was just no blood anywhere found the arrow penetration was like maybe a half an inch i like i hit the spine yeah. and uh found the arrow found the broadhead went over to where the buck was checked his bed there was no blood in that bed and he was nowhere to be found but mm. just one of those mistakes like you say as a bow hunter and you know it's it's one of those deals we have to learn from our mistakes and right. get better and and try to be more patient and make sure we got the angle of the buck and i was just trying to it wasn't a bad shot, it was just a, a small little target to aim for where I should have waited for a better shot. It, it was yep. a makeable shot, and if I would have hit my spot, he would have died. Yep. But there just wasn't much room for error there, and that's where my mistake was. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's part of bow hunting. I, um, you just try to get better and try to make all your shots. But, yeah, I had a good season exactly. this year. Yeah, I mean um, – it, you just want to make the the best, most effective shots you can on critters, and the most ethical shots you can. And, yep. and um, it's better, like you said, on that bull. It would have been better to have that bull wind you and run off and not get the opportunity and keep hunting and keep your head down and keep in it, right. than have this thing that messes with your confidence and messes with your mind and you know you made a mistake and you may you took a shot that you knew you shouldn't have taken and that messes with you on your hunt and on your season and like you say you were able to learn from it kill a bull end on a high note on your buck but it bothers you you know sitting here right Right. now like that's the one shot that you want back you know and And it's the one you remember seriously i'm gonna remember that one out of all the other kills from this year it's just the way it is i know why is that that you remember Uh your failures way more than your successes but it, it keeps you striving to be a better bow hunter. Yep. Make better yep. decisions. And as we said, that's what it ultimately it, it will do. As long as you don't let it get the best of you, go too far and, you know, mess, eat away at eat you. Away at you. But just, it's a good reminder. And like I said, it will be a good reminder in the future. Yep. Especially on elk, you can't really get away with much. You, you can't. If you get a marginal hit, you're probably not going to get them. Uh, that's the way I am with elk is yeah. I don't take any marginal shots because yeah. they are such a tough animal. Yep. Like it's, I've got to be a hundred percent sure that I can kill that up because they, there is no room for error on those things. They're so tough yep. and so big. They'll just travel for miles if you don't hit them right. It's got to be perfect. Yeah. You don't get any lucky breaks on them or very rarely. No, yeah. no. 
I hear of some guys getting lucky breaks on them, but uh, no, it you, you don't you don't cut a artery or a vein too often. You, you either get them in the vitals and kill them, or you don't and you don't get them. Right, seems to me exactly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was uh, interesting to hear about your elk season too this year. Um, how how you struggle like sometimes those elk hunts can be my toughest hunts all year long and you yep. you see a lot of bulls being killed and you know you can do it but I've had twenty plus days into trying to kill a public land six point like twenty plus days of Man. grinding to try to kill bull elk like you are worn out by the end of season yeah 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 absolutely good for you absolutely persevered killed a, a really nice bull and um nice bucks yep. you had a heck of a bow season yeah yeah it was good overall it was really good I have nothing to be complaining about mm-hmm. so. Uh, I'm really proud of my camera guy sticking with me because it ain't easy out there for no. two months. And he's he's a dude that's, you know, I say, we're going to do this. And he never says, I can't or I don't want to. He's okay. Saddles up and let's go. That's so cool. Good attitude the whole way. It's all about the attitude. And he keeps a good one the whole way. So. It is all about attitude. Yep. And finding somebody that you can work with. And, and uh, it, it's just like hunting with your buddy out there. But it it's having a good cameraman is like having a really good hunting buddy that you can trust is that he's always going to be there and he's going to be tough enough to stick it out with you. And yeah, that's a long season. I mean, it's like having a brother. It is. I mean, you have some coming to Jesus meeting, you know, moments and you do, and a lot of growing your character building and cause you're just so uncomfortable a lot and you're tired and it can wear on you, but I, I still love it. Mm-hmm. I love every oh. part, every minute of it. And any time that I sit there and, you know, we're feeling sorry for ourselves or we're like, oh, this rain sucks or the snow, blah, blah. you got to sit there and, you know, sit down for a second and say, man, we're really blessed to be able to do this and come out here and hunt like this. And so it's really easy to get a, get back in perspective and, and feel all blessed and lucky we are to be able to do it. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's a, a lasting fun. Um, you know, yes. So hunts are not fun all the time. You have to grind and miserable. And part of that sacrifice, I think, is is part of what makes it fun in the end to remember it. You know, oh, they're more more memorable. Yes, yeah. The tougher it is, the more memorable it is, Absolutely. and the better hunt. You know, in the end, uh, remembering back. But it's like this lasting fun. Like you can. Well, you can go on a roller coaster, and it's fun while you're on it for 15, 20 seconds, but you don't really think back of that roller coaster and how much fun that is. But you get done with a hunt, and you think about it all year long, like uh, that grind you had and those those moments you had up in there, remembering those stories. But it, it really is a lasting fun you have, and it yep. it's fun to test your limits. We're uh, uh, young guys and um, athletic, and, and it's fun to get out there and, and push yourself and, and uh, hurt a little bit and right. uh, grind and, and, and then try to get something done that is so challenging. And I, I think that's what's drawn us both to bow hunting is yep. when you first start, it is so difficult to get your first kill under your belt or get, you know, and after that, get your first trophy or get your first elk or whatever it is. Like it can take you, it can be a five-year process. Absolutely. I mean, for a lot of guys, it is a, a multi-year process, you know, and, and then you start putting together the pieces and start figuring out how to be successful. But it it's that figuring out immersive yourself in the bow hunting world and, and, and just taking on that challenge and then finding a way to be successful that's what's so fun about it yep yep that's why we love it yep. I mean, the challenge and you have some failures but the successes and that's why we do it we all love a good challenge we all love to see what we're made of 
And I guess we all like to suffer a little bit too. Every bow hunter likes to suffer a little bit. <laughs> that's what my wife always tells yeah. me. You love to suffer. <laughs> exactly. If you don't want to admit it, you're still, that's the fact of the matter. Yeah, that's what she tells me like going uh, shopping or Christmas shopping. She goes, you love to suffer. You should like this. <laughs> no, that's a different kind of suffering. <laughs> I only like certain kinds of suffering. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, no, that is it. It's so much fun. Well, um, Man, congratulations on your season. I always have a lot of fun talking with oh, you, Dan. Absolutely. Thanks for absolutely. being on the podcast. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks yep. for having me, man. Right on. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, that's a wrap. Uh, really fun conversation with Dan. Uh, again, I just always really enjoy talking with him. He's um, At a young age, he has figured out how to be consistently successful with a bow in his hands. And and that is not easy. <laughs> and so um, to be able to sit down with him and break down his hunts and, and then to have that, that, that honest conversation about that bull that he took that shot that he was less than happy with and how he's going to grow from it and learn from it. And I think that's important information to get out there as well as, you know, that, that one that I had mentioned to that buck that I shot at in his bed and, and I just tried to squeeze it in too tight a window. But those are the experiences that we have to learn from and, and get better from. And so, um, I think it's important to put it out there and I just, uh, I always like how I can be completely honest on the podcast as I, I just let my personality come out or I, I let experiences come out and, and being completely honest and putting yourself out there is a little tough sometimes, but um, it, it always seems to be received in the right way from you guys. So I appreciate that and I appreciate you know Dan's honesty on the podcast and and uh being able to talk about that miss he had and and uh just not not hide it or try to make up some story that 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 the bull jumped his string or you know he talks about it he took a bad angle on that ball and he hit it in the shoulder and so i just think that that's really neat that we can have those conversations so uh appreciate dan as well on the podcast um with that, got some good ones coming up. I'm actually sitting on a few recordings, so not running by the seat of my pants. That's always a good thing. Um, but but just some really quality conversations that I'm going to be putting out to you guys. And and I'm just I'm trying to take this to the next level where I'm putting out these conversations you know, at the right time of year. So when you're thinking about applications, I have a podcast about applications. When you're thinking about coos deer, I've got a podcast about coos deer. You know, whatever it is, I just want to touch on it. And so I just want to continually get better and try to put out the best content and the best podcast I can. Um, with that, thanks again to Everly Stock for sponsoring the podcast. Again, trying out a couple of their new packs, the Destroyer and then uh, the Little Big Top. Um, so I'm psyched to see how these things will, will function in the backcountry and putting out a great product and a great company. So thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over there at Eastman's, uh, gosh, we're just going to get out these these Eastman's podcasts we have recorded along with some other guests that, that I have on. Um, and, and we're just going to continually move forward. Uh, God, I got a really good one recorded with Guy. And then I, I've got that one with Guy and Dan in Tajikistan. That's just a, a great podcast. It's actually Guy, uh, Dan and Ike. So we all sit in the four of us and, and, uh, it, it's just a fun time when you can do these, these multi-person podcasts and, and, uh, it's lighthearted. We did it, uh, you know, right after lunch, after we've been joking around. And so, uh, just makes for a really good recording. So I'm proud of the way these things come, came out and, uh, excited to release them to you guys. Um, Make sure to check out that that gear guide if you're looking for a last-minute gift. 
uh, Eastman's, and then um, that MRS booklet is out both in hard copy or you can buy it uh, an internet version of it um, uh, online there so you can access all the information that's in that booklet. And then the new MRS is new MRSs, is that a word? S's is plural. Uh, but the new MRS will be coming out in, in the new magazines with updated information. I know the guys are working really hard to compile the right information to put you guys in the right units to be successful. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that. And uh, with that, um, gosh, I just, uh, I've been running and training. Um, it's been going really well lately. I've been doing a lot of snow runs as we've got a lot of snow and cold in here. Been running with my little lab puppy, seven months old. He's doing great. Um, putting in a bunch of miles. I need to start mixing in some longer ones in the weekends. Start doing those 10 plus, 12 plus um, just to build that endurance. But I'm going to come into next season swinging. I'm going to be the best shot I've ever been, the best shape I've ever been. And I'm really going to take a lot of time plotting and planning my hunts. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a lot of time off work. Um, I am going to go for it next season. I just enjoy pushing myself so much. And I'm I'm blessed to have to be able to take this free time, and I'm going to take advantage of it, especially while I'm in my prime, or uh, at least close to my prime. I, I am into my prime. I I believe every year I'm getting in better and better shape, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard and take advantage of it, and I'm gonna turn up some big trophies this year. I've also set myself up right with with in the point system in these different states, where you know I think I've got some really good hunts coming up, and and I'm gonna mix some. These uh, adventure traveling hunts that I enjoy so much. I think I'm going to try to go to Hawaii again if those guys will have me over there. Just had so much fun over there. I'd like to look for a 30-inch axis and maybe even mix in some mouflon sheep hunting. Uh, so some plans in the works there. Um, gosh, I think I'm going to try to do Alaska again. I had so much fun last season and then just really focus on my, my early season mule deer. I'm thinking I'm going to do a couple States and then do either one state or two States late for, um, mule deer as well. I think that's my favorite species to hunt. And then, um, you know, right as I say that, then I, I come into talking about elk season and when it's elk season, that's my favorite season to hunt. Elk are just so thrilling to hunt. And I, I want to take my elk hunting to the next level. And so I'm thinking about changing units, um, you know, around here in Montana, maybe hunting out of state, uh, ran some really good elk hunting in Idaho last year. So I may try to pick out an out of state hunt there. Um, gosh, as I start mentioning this, it's almost, uh, I'm almost going to overbook myself, but the fall just comes and goes so quick. And, and if you're able to take the time and plan these hunts, uh, you, you better take advantage of it. And so that's the situation I'm in, um, which is, which is a great one to be in. So I'm going to try to take full advantage of it. I'm planning some great hunts, uh, training like a madman. And, and I'm going to do a podcast too, where I release some of my, uh, training information and things I do to get ready for these extreme hunts, but i um, really excited. Uh, life is good right now and going to be leaving on this January hunt, going to head down. It sounds like my buddy Dan's going to jump in the truck with me and then we're going to meet Coulter down there and try to squeeze in eight, 10 days of hunting coos down there and and uh, I'm going to go really hard and just have fun uh, immersing myself in that, that desert habitat and trying to get some stocks on some coos and, and uh, hopefully we're successful down there. Um, but really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun trip. So I'm going to take off oh, maybe right at the end of December, 1st of January, and get down there and start doing some hunting. So um, fun things in the works. Um, keep getting you guys out uh, quality podcast. 
and uh, we'll go from there. I've been talking for long enough. Let's shut this thing down. I'll talk to you guys next week.